it's two days after the US election's been held and we still don't have an answer as to who's going to be the president for the next four years. But how does this impact investment markets? On today's episode, we're going to look at how the US election potentially impacts your investments and what changes, if any, you should make to your portfolio before, during and after an election. Enjoy. Everything we talk about on today's podcast is general advice only because we don't know your individual personal situation. Before you act on anything we've spoken about, you should chat to your financial advisor. And if you don't have one, feel free to reach out to us. Now, on to today's show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Wealth Collective podcast. It's Pete Pennicott here, and I'm joined by Zach Masters from Picada and Anthony Malvaso from AJM Advisory. Gentlemen, how are we feeling today? Yeah, very good. So a little bit tired. Obviously, it was a big day yesterday, and uh, I stayed up to pretty late last night trying to watch the count as the um, few of the key states started to roll in. What about you, Anthony? A few exciting days. Uh, went out to watch the cup at a pub with a group of friends, which was good being out in public. Being in Melbourne, we've obviously had the lockdown, and uh, it was a ripper day. Almost 30 degrees, sun was out. It really felt... Uh, like summer. Got and the then, pins uh, out? How yesterday. are the pins looking? Like, were your legs nice and tanned or? <laughs> no, mine weren't, but they were definitely out. The <laughs> the, uh, the linen shorts were being worn because it did get quite hot moving around and, you know, uh, put, putting a few bets on, having a few drinks and having a bit of a yarn. And then yesterday, uh, the election, watching uh, the odds go up and down, the, uh, the different networks putting out their views. So, yeah, it's, it's be interesting how it all unfolds. Yeah, it's good. it was quite interesting to see, just depending on which network you tuned into, almost polarizing different results. Of you know, different networks are calling different states uh, early, you know, sort of saying, "Oh no, I've got a completely conflicting result." So, I don't know. Like, do you find that? Do you flick between the channels, Zach, when you're watching, or do you sort of just yeah, you, know, you you go to your trusted source and sort of get your information from there? I was flicking between quite a few yesterday, and which was interesting to watch. Um, I was watching Sky News pretty much had a call for Trump at um, <laughs> 4.35 o'clock yesterday. Um, a few of the, the people on the outsiders were celebrating probably a bit prematurely, it looks like now. Um, and then you flick over to ABC and they were pretty much calling it for Biden the whole day. So it was interesting to see how they looked at it. I was watching a lot of CNN's coverage, which seemed to be pretty um, balanced in the way that he was looking at it. Um, a little bit more than the other two. So it was interesting to see how the different news sources react. Um, who are you watching, Anthony? Uh, I was flicking over because it's good to see, you know, you want to see which, uh, what two different sides are, how they view it. But to be honest, I was looking at uh, the sports bet odds and Twitter, <laughs> just seeing right. what was yeah. coming out and the how odds the odds, how the odds were it? moving. And I was, uh, a friend called me and he, he was uh, voting for the Reds the red team, Trump, and he's like uh, abs- like yelling at the TV. And I said, have you checked the odds? And this is where Trump fell to about a dollar forty or $1.30. I said, sports bet's seen it a different way. So it was, it was just quite interesting how the, the news out- some news outlets was, were saying, oh, it's definitely going to go down this path. And the bookmakers were saying it a different way. Mm. It was, uh, yeah, <laughs> extremely interesting day. Been yeah. a letdown. And that's a good like good segue. So today, what we, we thought it'd be important to just... I have a show talking about like investing during the US presidential election because it seems like we're not going to get a result really quickly. Um, so this may drag out for a while. So you need to sort of know how to navigate your portfolio through this period. 
I guess what today is not going to be about is us sort of shoving our political views down your throat. Um, so we'll sort of push that to the side and really focus on the investment aspect of this. So there's going to be some fundamental investment concepts that could probably apply to any major news events or macroeconomic events. Um, so hopefully that's the sort of the theme we can take through. But what I might do is I might throw to you first, uh, Zach, but do you want to talk to us about I guess the main question people have on their minds, do elections actually have an impact on investment markets? Uh, so I think in the short term, they can definitely have an impact. So what stats tell us in the past is that um, the market doesn't necessarily like uncertainty. So the uncertainty of an election coming up usually means that um, there's potentially lower returns in the year coming up to an election. Um, and then stock market returns tend to be slightly lower for the following year. Um, as well. It doesn't seem to, stats tell us in the past that it doesn't seem to matter um, whether the control of the White House is Democratic or um, Republican, that largely with a few outliers, um, like when Bill Clinton um, had a, there was boom years under him and, and things like that, there's practically not much different in equity market returns under different party leaders. So that's an interesting thing to note. Um, it has been noted that in the past, um, when there's a change of office, um, that market returns are around 1.5% lower in okay. that year following. That's probably the, that uncertainty piece you're talking about of there's a change in the guard, they're unwinding previous sort of, um, you know, the previous government's policies and sort of implementing theirs. And yeah, I think that probably um, that sort of speaks to that. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it is that uncertainty piece, but usually... As a whole, um, there's not much difference in terms of equity market returns under different parties. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So, Anthony, like, is that your take on it as well? So, do you sort of see um, investment markets impacted by what's happening in a US or sort of a presidential election? Yeah, definitely. I think the US is a lot harder than, say, Australia. Australia, you know, I'd say the two two. Uh, main parties here, you can sort of get a gist of where they're going. It's a it's a smaller economy, and there's uh, less 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 uh, less areas impacting it. I think with overseas, obviously, as Zach said, uncertainty. That yesterday when um, Trump was in, really in the box seat, and Nasdaq futures were up over three and a half percent, and the Chinese currency was absolutely tanking. Now that's probably changed a little bit, but there's still a lot of uncertainty. I do think with the Democrats not getting the Senate. It's going to be hard to push a lot of a lot of what what they want to put in into power. Um, so that's probably going to settle it over the next over the coming years, as opposed to if there was one party that had complete control. Well, that's the thing: is the likelihood is that um, the market's probably going to like the fact that the Democrats don't have the Senate. So that means that they're not going to be able to force much through. Yeah. Likely, the likelihood of much changing Precisely. over the next four years. Um, is pretty yeah. low because you're not going to be able to get much through. And that's what a lot of people, that's one of the key points I think a lot of people take is that, yeah, that, that uh, might be a change in presidents, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get all their um, legislation through and everything that they want to push through. And especially at the moment, um, I think, so that race for the Senate looks like, um, you know, if anyone's going to get a majority, it's going to be Republicans, um, but it's going to be close. But there's, it looks little to no chance that the Democrats will be able to get a majority in the Senate. Yeah, and it, look, it's it is it's I've sort of been trolling through all the data and had a look at going, all right, the first term of every president 
since like, you know, for the last 50 years. And you're like, okay, it's sort of, it goes, you know, Bill Clinton, Eisenhower, Obama, Trump, Bush. So it sort of almost chops and changes between Democrat to Republican of who had the, like when you're looking from the best possible um, first 36 months of return. So yeah, it's interesting that it's um yeah it's not clear cut, which doesn't make it easy because I thought we're we're just going to come here and give people the tip on, you know, how to best make money. So you just sort of uh, either sell your portfolio and go away and wait for the next, you know, next election, or sort of do you load up in this period? So, and that's the thing you got to look at too is whether you're are you investing for the long term or are you trying to day trade and make quick gains as well? Um, because yeah, in the short term, like absolutely, the stock market's going to change on the back of you know, a change in president that day or... The stock market changes oh. when someone sneezes. So yeah. I think, um, and it is, it's that, I like, it, that's trading, it's speculating. I think, like Benjamin Graham said it, like, you know, in the short term, you know, the stock market is a voting machine. And really, obviously, in the presidential election, it's literally a voting machine. Um, mm-hmm. But in the long term, it's a weighing machine. So it's the actual value of things. So... Um, I think fundamentally, that's how we look at it. So it is that long-term investment. These are just bumps um, in the journey. So not too dissimilar to, you know, I don't know if you all recall back to earlier in the year when the global pandemic set in, you know, it was a fair sort of, um, you know, punch in the guts in terms of investment returns as well. But that's all part of investing, I feel. And, you know, elections are sort of all part of investment cycle. So, you know, this happens every four years. Um, unless someone changes the rules. So we'll see if that sort of uh, any major changes to the political sort of landscape change to that degree. Hopefully not. (laughs) Now, obviously, whoever's in charge, um, they can sort of put in place um, policies to, you know, that could, I guess, spook or sort of, um, you know, send investors into a little bit of doubt as to, is this the best possible uh, place for money, in over, especially over the short term? So do you guys feel, and I might throw to you first on this one, Anthony, are there certain businesses or sectors that might benefit depending on uh, the different policies that leaders might have? So um, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, one interesting I heard, the thing I heard yesterday was that the big tech companies would not prefer a democratic government. Uh, something to do with security and something to look into. But I think the biggest thing of what's been said of what a Biden government would bring in is more uh, what we've just been through, more lockdown because of the virus. And obviously that's going to hurt hurt the economy. Business, business is going to be closed. I think that's one, one, one area if he does follow through and it does, you know, they do close down certain parts of the economy or the country, I should say, it's going to hurt. And we've seen that firsthand and what that can do. Uh, so that's going to probably be the one big thing I think if they, that, he, that he has put out besides, you know, corporate tax increases and, and things like that. And uh, other, other, the other rhetoric he has put out I, from what I've been, from what you hear, shut, he's going to shut down the country more than Donald Trump and his government. Yeah. Did. So that's obviously going to have a flow-on effect. And as we mentioned, we've and, just seen that. And, and these are all assu- assumptions, that. aren't they? And like it, it still yeah. is a... Would you sort of agree with the, the thinking that it still has a lot to do with like who, who has control, like ultimately, you know, of Congress? So, because one thing to have a, a view, how do you actually implement that and sort of roll it out? Um, yeah, that's the thing with what it looks like, or if we're talking about this election currently... It looks like a lot of the stuff that um, Biden potentially brought in, so the 
um, raising company tax and things like that. It looks like he's going to have a pretty hard time to get any of that through, um, yeah. if anything, because he's got no control of the Senate. So um, I think like a lot of the a lot of the stuff I was reading and looking at too. So this is probably a pretty favourable outcome for the market because um, it creates pretty much a political gridlock in terms of passing through any controversial or different legislation. Um, so it looks like it could be a state where not much really happens um, because, yeah, the Republicans are not going to be passing through a lot of his um, things like his tax cuts or his tax rises and, and different things like that. Um, that being said, like, their policies can favour certain businesses or sectors. So you've got, like, um, his healthcare reforms and, um, you know, renewable energy. So companies like Tesla, he was going to invest quite a lot to do that type of thing. But again, it's got to be, can he get it through the Senate, which looks unlikely um, at this stage. So whether or not much will change in the next four years, we just have to wait and see. Um, but usually to get much reform happening, you need the control of all three. Yeah. And I think, like, it's hard to argue. Like, definitely, there are definitely impacts, I think. Yeah. You know, businesses will be impacted differently. And I think even if you're living, like, we're living in, in Victoria, like, you know that different businesses are impacted differently by policies that are brought out. And that's, yeah. you know, happens since the beginning of time. And that's why I don't think we should necessarily fear, you know, someone new coming in or a different sort of set of policies. Um, and, you know, political views and opinions aside, um, like from an investment perspective, I don't think necessarily it's uh, something you should be sort of making wholesale changes in your portfolio for. Um, I think really what should have been happening is you should have had a robust enough portfolio that, you know, it's taken these factors into account and it's sufficiently diversified that it can, you know, it's got enough, you know, different sort of, uh, I don't know, tools in the toolkit that it can cope with regardless of like whatever sort of market conditions are thrown at it and whatever sort of um, policies are brought about. So Yeah, because that's um, what I was reading today as well, is that um, if you've got a diversified enough portfolio, well, then you should have potentially ones that will do um, well to offset ones that might be potentially negatively impacted. Um, that your US equity portfolio should kind of con continue along the path that it was going on if you're diversified enough. So that was the research that a lot of people um, at wealth management firms over in the US and things like that had done, is that as long as you are appropriately diversified, then a change in leader um, or change in party shouldn't necessarily make a huge impact yeah. to well-diversified equities portfolio. Yeah, and, I, and I, I think, like, even looking back to when sort of, like, four years ago, markets got spooked initially. There was a massive sell-off, uh, which then subsequently turned into, a like, one of the most significant rallies we've had. Um, so I, I just think that short-term view, again, just remind yourself, don't sort of overreact to short-term news. Um, and you've got to really focus on what are the investment investing fundamentals? How should you be managing your portfolio? Which leads me to probably the most important part and biggest question is, like, how should you invest when an election is coming up or you're going through one or there's a result pending? Like, what would you be thinking about in terms of, does it warrant a change in your strategy, Zach? Uh, I don't think so. So, like the way we invest or the way we often look at it is the long-term view. So, if you start to get into that day trading and timing of the market, then potentially you're speculating rather than, or trading, you know, gambling rather than investing almost, um, because those ones can often be hard. And then if you're going to get out of the market, when do you find that's going to be the right time to get back in? And as we said, stats tell you potentially there's, um, you know, lower 
um, growth rates in the year leading up in the year after an election, um, but there's still growth there. So if you're going to pull out your money, where are you going to go? Um, you know, are you making the right call by moving it from one sector of the economy to another or something like that? Um, I don't know. There, I don't know if there's much need to completely change your portfolio as long as you're, as we said before, well diversified. Yeah, absolutely. And would you concur with that, Anthony? Or sort of how is, what's your approach? Are you sort of a little bit more proactive or are you sort of changing things up a little bit when an election is, you know, uh, present? I think it's only when what we saw domestically, was, I'm not, like, I think it was four years ago or three years ago, when there was, the, there was a mining tax, potentially a bank tax. So that was going to hurt us domestically and the bank tax that that was that was a big scare tactic i think if that something like that is brought in and you've got you know big uh, big portion of your portfolio within that sector you definitely something to consider but as, as you've mentioned if you're diversified enough you might have some some areas that are hit and some areas that grow i think as i said it's probably easier to see in our our election and our our government and our policies but I think going in, I, I wouldn't see after yesterday, especially with a with a split government like a Senate uh, that's not going to approve everything. Don't think there's anything anything major to move yeah. off the basis of this election. And it doesn't mean that you can't get some good ideas. So, say the Democrats were going to potentially get, say, you know, yeah, if they did get control of um, the Senate as well and started looking like they could pass legislation, well, you might get some potential good investment ideas that come off the back of that. Yeah. As well, so you yeah. might say renewable energy and um, healthcare and things like that. We go, I can maybe I can add some different stocks that I don't have in those areas to the portfolio. Um, but I don't know if there's need for wholesale changes. What do you think, Pete? Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. And I think it's don't be lazy. So don't just stick your head in the sand and like ignore all news. I think that's yeah. that's dumb investing. That's a really easy way to lose a lot of money. I think you need to be proactive. But yeah, I don't think it's wholesale and unless it warrants it. So go back to your investment thesis, go back to your goals, go back to your investment strategy. What, uh, you know, what is the objective of the portfolio and how does this impact it? And I think if you're making decisions based on short-term policy, it's a lot of time you're going to expend. And what's your informational edge? So what do you know that the market doesn't? Right. So you know, if you're going to be making short-term trading decisions, that means you know like let's use the um, the election outcome for example that means you know who's going to win what policies are going to get through how those policies are going to influence businesses your opinion is going to be different to most people in the market yeah and you yeah. know it before other people you know it before everyone and you can implement it in a big enough way that it's going to influence the returns in your portfolio so once yeah. you've checked gone through the checklist and got all of those things then yes definitely do short-term trading uh, in a big way. And I think other than that, I think you can do, have it part as part of a satellite strategy, perhaps. So, you know, thinking of that core plus satellite, it may be a satellite part of your portfolio where you go, I'm going to allocate 5% to what I feel is going to get the tailwind from what I think is going to be the outcome of this, um, whatever the macroeconomic event, in this case, a, a US election. So that would, that's how I would, uh, apply it but but i think more than anything you should be focusing on you know yeah just common sense like asset allocation you're far better off getting that right than focusing on trying to sort of become a, an active trader unless that's your job 
And I don't think we have too many active traders tuning into our podcast, to be honest. So um, most of the time we're sort of dealing never, with your... You never know. You never know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like our audience is more akin to sort of, you know, you're trying to grow your wealth over the long term. And yes, you want to be active with it and proactive. But yeah, I don't think any of us are, are traders. Um, well, not that I know of. No. So well, that's good. I like that. So very, very good session there. So hopefully people have uh, taken something out of it. I think the the biggest takeaway for is it your final tip? Is it your big final tip now? Oh, well, it's it's weird because I'm sort of hosting this. Hosting. Sort of the, the me jumping in at the end. Coming up sort back. Of, <laughs> here's my. I need a little bit of uh, music or something. or something. But I will. Yeah. I, I will make a final point though. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> discipline is the key to financial success, and I think in any tough times and tense periods. And I think even like, yeah, Anthony mentioned before sports, bet just fluctuating wildly in terms of their odds. Like they don't, they've got sort of artificial intelligence, all sorts of sort of information. They've got a probably an edge over most of the listeners out there and they they can't even make up their mind about what the outcome's going to be. Mm. So I think what you've got to do is have a game plan. And I think that's the key. And we say it a lot, have a game plan, have it written down, have patience and stick to it. And if you've got it written down, you can refer back to it because I think if you're just trying to hedge all of your bets on one particular outcome, and at the moment, this one is like almost like a flip of the coin outcome. So you're basically trying to make decisions about your investments and potentially like a large chunk of your wealth over what could be a like an outcome that you can't predict any better than the, um, I don't know, the monkey in a dartboard. So, um, yeah, that's what I would sort of, I'd say, and you know, just check yourself. So do you actually have an informational edge? Uh, and if you don't, maybe focus on things like your risk profile, what are your objectives, what should your asset allocation be, and then start to think about how that portfolio gets constructed. And I think going back to Zach's point before, have it so it can cope with any environment, you know? build something in. So it's sort of, it's making money regardless of what's happening in the world. So that'd be what we do there. So um, hopefully uh, people have enjoyed that show, but uh, we might sort of jump to a listener question now. And we've got Daniel who's written in. So thank you for uh, reaching out, Daniel. So Daniel said, I'm looking to purchase my first home in the next year or two. What is the best place to put my savings? Should I put them somewhere else where they can grow? Now, there's no political uh, bent on this, so he obviously hasn't thought about the election. But um, Anthony, what can you what can you sort of uh, suggest to young Daniel? I'm assuming it's young yeah, Daniel. Yeah, there was a, first r- roughly two years. R- roughly two years. Let's the, let's assume uh, it's the frame. longer one because two. Let's assume it's two uh, years time. Yeah, two years. So definitely it, nothing that has any risk to the balance. Uh, we used to get this early days of the pre-GFC. A lot of people would come in and uh, markets were flying for three, four, five straight years and people would want to buy their home in three years and they'd be put into a managed fund or something like that. GFC happened, that, that ruined that plan for many, for many. So definitely something that keeps the capital there, so something secure like uh, cash or some secure type investment, but also, you know, is there a large balance? Possibly you can put that in something that can gather on a higher rate of return, like a term deposit, uh, a challenger, uh, short-term annuity, something like that. And then you also need something where you can uh, uh, deposit uh, your ongoing savings to build that balance. So 
just depends how much you got now, but definitely something secure and gives you a, gives you some sort of interest rate return. I would definitely say nothing that is volatile. Okay, like it, Zach. You got anything to add there? Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of those points. So similar to what we said before, if it's anything short term, which we consider in financial planning, anything under two years is short term. Um, a lot of the time, it's you know speculating and gambling rather than investing. So there's a long, you know, there's a possibility that your savings potentially are lower in two years' time than what they're at, at now, so you don't want to take that risk. Uh, depending on what your income is and, and different things, I'd be looking at potentially the first home super saver scheme um, yeah. as a good option. So that's getting your guaranteed rate um, of return, you know, around about the 4.5%. Yeah. And I don't think you're going to get anything close to that, to be honest. Nah. Um, yeah, there's a bit of paperwork involved getting it out, but from what I've heard from a couple of clients that have done that, it's, it's not as painful. Like most of it's done online, so you don't have to um, you don't have to really sort of put pen to paper too much. And, and that's yeah, it's relatively people, seamless. Yeah, a lot of people often look at oh, yeah, there's the tax savings as well, but they forget that it's it's guaranteed. So even though the money inside your super will fluctuate and your balance will change, when you're withdrawing the money, it's um, it's calculated at a deemed rate of around about four and a half percent at the moment. Yeah, um, and it, does it necessarily have to be um, can, like tax deductible contributions, or can you make after tax contributions and account towards it as well? So yeah, you can, like you can um, potentially do do that as well. It's just the way. Um, yeah, it does make a lot of sense when you're doing it as a, a tax deductible contribution if you've got an income that you can offset against it um but yeah that i think that's what's often overlooked is that it's it does generate a return far and above what you're probably going to be able to get in a bank account and that's what people often look at and go oh hang on a second um you know i I don't trust that it's going to go up or down well it's not something you necessarily have to worry about yeah, good suggestion. I think the best point of contact if you don't have a financial advisor is pick up the phone or uh, jump on one of the live chats or send your um, super fund an email because then they'll be able to tell you whether they're one of the um, the funds that is participating because apparently I think 90% of them are, but sort of there are some funds that aren't actually participating in it. So just be careful before you play your money in and lock it away until your um, preservation age. <laughs> so that would be a rude awakening and you sort of come after Zach and... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. So obviously not advice, general, uh, general in nature, but um, yeah, that's it. Fantastic show, guys, and that's some really, really good takeaways. And we will watch with interest to see how this plays out. Uh, we still don't have any clarity, I don't think. I'm sort of got a few bit of live live feed here on Twitter, and uh, we're still sort of stuck where we were. So um, still counting votes. There's protests going on. So um, yeah, thank you for your time, gentlemen. Any last remarks before we head off? Ah, be interesting to see see what happens. We'll wait I'll see. see you all yeah, next week, and we'll provide you the answer. <laughs> maybe, You've heard maybe it here not. first. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Thanks, guys. <laughs> all right. See, see you later. See ya.